In a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries, one group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka. Bo Warmbold. Each week, we take a look back at one movie that is reaching that 30-year milestone. Whether you love seeing these films in the theater or enjoying them for the first time at home, we invite you to join us this year as we travel back in time to 1986. I am your host, John Reed, and you're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. And welcome to episode number 52 of the 30-something movie podcast. Forget actors and directors, we only care about the special effects this week. We're going to be talking about the 1986 suspense thriller FX, which features the title bout of the century, Brian vs. Brian. Uh, we do tend to spoil the events of every movie we talk about, so if you haven't seen it yet, you may want to watch the movie first. If you don't care about being spoiled, we might be able to give you some reasons you should go watch it, or let you know whether or not you should save a couple of hours of your life and not waste the time. Speaking of doing someone a favor, would you have it over, head over right now, that's easy for me to say, would you head over right now to iTunes and leave us a review? Clearly, if you're driving or holding a baby, it can wait. But we would really appreciate yeah. it. If you're driving, it can wait. If you're driving, if you're it can wait. If you're holding a baby, you should be able to multitask. That's fine. You just you hold it with one hand. Or you could pre- they probably have those like sling things that everybody wears now. So um, You could leave us a quick review on iTunes to let us know how we're doing and what you're enjoying about the show. Uh, we're doing this because we love to talk about movies and what they mean to us, but we also want to hear from you. Um, I'm doing this for the paycheck. Are you do well? That's why we're teachers. You can say big fat paycheck every time. It's all about the money. It's all all about the Benjamins. Um, I don't know why I say that. I've never seen anything that has Benjamin on it. Um, you know what? Forget it. Just pull over the car now. Put the baby down somewhere relatively safe. It'll take 30 seconds of your time, and we would be ever so grateful. So go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. 30 seconds, and the baby probably won't be able to get anywhere, so you'll be totally fine. Maybe. Uh, If not, the 30-something podcast is not responsible for any uh, bodily harm of you or others that comes from listening to the show. Moving on. I am joined, as always, by my illustrious co-host. This time around, I have with me uh, Jefe Mazuka. Hola. Welcome again. Uh, And Patrick uh, Cantagallo. Hey, hey. That ended up being more of a French accent than an Italian accent, so I do apologize for that. Hey, man, it's all good. It's all good. Um, which reminds me of one of the lines in the movie that I thought you would probably enjoy the most. He says something like, you know, you try to make me beautiful, and he's like, well, you're going to have to settle for Italian. <laughs> Figured you'd appreciate yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. So, um, well, we'll start off with this. How has your week been, gentlemen? I, I think the week's been pretty good. It's just things are flying right along. I feel like I've hardly seen you guys, and we all kind of work in the same building, so... It'll be good to get together and talk about some movies. Yeah. Well, I know Bo has been pretty busy. He did the. He was kind of one of the co-chairs of a like technology education conference this last weekend, and so okay. I kind of, uh, you know, during the keynote address and other stuff, he wasn't giving it, but he was helping organize everything. I kind of quietly heckled him from the side, so that may be why he's not here tonight. That could be. Did you hurt his feelings? Bo doesn't have feelings, oddly enough. Oh. I've known him for really? many, many years. He he doesn't seem to have feelings. So he seems so big and cuddly and joyful, like a big teddy bear. He is. Surely he's got feelings. No, no, no. He doesn't have feelings. He's like a, he's like one of those um, Russian nesting dolls. There's just a there's just another empty bow inside. That's outstanding. <laughs> huh. 
I would I would like to see him open up sometime. Well, you know. Um, one thing I heard in the... Well, actually, Jeff, we didn't ask you. How, how was your week going? Yeah, Jeff. Uh, my week? Well, it's it's a day old. Okay. But so far, so good. Okay. You know, it was a, it was a decent Monday. It was pajama day at school, which is always nice. Which I'm kind of disappointed that... I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't know that, but at the same time, during my lunch break, I had to run to the bank, so I think that would have been kind of confusing to walk into the bank wearing my pajamas. I did, and... I did not go out to lunch today because I was in my pajamas, and that would have been weird. Okay. Well, I totally would have got... I, I go out to lunch on Halloween, so that doesn't bother me. Full costume and everything. But that's expected, on, or at least... Well, I guess that's true. Understandable on Halloween. I guess. Well, it depends on where you would have gone to lunch. That depends on what you dress as. That's also true. All right. Um, I was going to bring up, there wasn't a whole lot of other movie news that maybe would apply to us, um, but I did happen to see that Star Wars, The Force Awakens, did release their date for when it's coming out on Blu-ray. It's mm. April, I, I thought I heard. Yeah, I think they said it was going to be like April 5th. Yes. Um, April 5th is going to be out on Blu-ray. DVD and digital HD. Um, it looks like there's a like a multiple disc copy that gets you all of those if you want them, just as they normally do with the movies. And some people were saying they think that it might be out on iTunes or you know Amazon streaming or some of those maybe like late to mid March or uh, mid to late March. So it's possible. Well, should we should we all plan to go out for lunch on the fifth of April and go pick up our copies? Yeah. I and, think that's a good idea. And then not go back to work? <laughs> Duh. I think that's a better <laughs> idea. That's, I plan on stealing a projector and finding a gymnasium and telling the kids that they can't come in because we're you know bombing for rodents and show the movie the rest of the day. I think that's an outstanding idea. I've got it all planned out. I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, real quick, before we get started with the movie, we did have um, a couple of different, uh, actually a couple of other podcasts that have been tweeting us a little bit. How are you feeling, Jeff? There we go. Uh, we have had the Retro Rewind podcast. Say that three times real fast. Um, they're at Retro Rewind Cast. Uh, they tweeted us related to some of the comments when we were talking about the comments the critics had in Labyrinth about how the uh, puppets were not very lifelike. They uh, tweeted us and said that they agreed with that, that they thought, especially Hoggle and some of the other ones, ridiculously lifelike, you know, even compared to some of the CGI stuff we have today. And uh, another podcast that has been uh, giving us some friendly tweets has been Cult Film and Review, and that's kind of a fun one. I've listened to the last several episodes, and I've gone back to get some of their older ones. They actually did an episode on Repo Man, which we did oh. earlier. Um, and one of my favorite movies that I've never seen... You know, it just all the little bits and pieces I've ever heard people talk about it. I really want to see this movie, but I've never seen it. Is uh, John Carpenter's They Live? Have you ever seen it? Oh my god! Have you seen that one? Yes. Okay. With Rowdy Roddy Piper is the main actor in that one. Oh, that would great. So when it gets to, I think I want to say that one's eighty-eight. Let me look it up real fast. John Carpenter's They Live is 88, so we got a couple more years until we can do that one. But that's one of my favorite lines from a movie that I've never seen before is in that one. He walks into a bank, and he the premise of the movie is half of the world has kind of been taken over by these aliens that look just like us, but you can't tell. 
And for some reason, he's got these sunglasses that when he wears them, he can see who's an alien and who's not. That's cool. And at one point, he walks into a bank, and he stops, and he goes, I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick <laughs> and I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> and then he starts that's... finding, and then he starts finding the aliens and just starts blowing them away, but everybody else thinks he's just shooting people. Oh, yeah. such a great movie. Yeah. So I still need to see that one, but they had an episode on that, though. I'm really surprised you've never seen that. I know. I need to see it. Now, how did they find out? I mean, do you know some of these guys? And you said, hey, check out our podcast? Or do they, is this just kind of like the social media thing and we're getting noticed by other podcasts? Social media thing. Uh, we've got, um, you know, we don't have a ton of followers on Twitter, but we've got, I'll say maybe we've got somewhere in the, maybe somewhere in the 30s uh, followers on Twitter. So, um, you know, not a. What'd you say? 30 something 30 followers? 30 something followers. That's Wait, awesome. There you go. Thank you for the shameless plug there. Um, <laughs> uh, if anyone knows shameless, it's me. <laughs> Welcome to the 30-something shameless podcast. All of us. Every single one of us. Um, yeah, so no, they just they started following us because of you know, things that we were tweeting out about the different movies that we were watching. And um, they were doing a Labyrinth show around about the time we were doing a Labyrinth show. And I, I want to say they did their Repo Man show after we did ours, but I don't know that they had been listening to us. Uh, before that so um but yeah they listened to a few of our shows and they they liked it actually had somebody else tweet us um oh i didn't write it down and i don't have it right in front of me there's somebody who tweeted us that said they had been enjoying the show and they're actually from here in lake county and they're thinking of starting up their own podcast so they tweeted me some questions on like how to how to do a podcast with multiple hosts when you're not all in the same place and stuff like that so cool awesome so we're, we're getting noticed Man, we're the people are looking at our model. They're it's, following our model. You know what? Hey, I've always wanted to be a model. You are a model. And they turned me down several times. Apparently it was the the swimsuit spread. Didn't do it for him. All right. So we are talking this time about FX. Jeff, don't make that face. I was thinking something totally unrelated. Uh-huh. But hey, you know what? To all those people that tweeted us, thank you for the friendly tweets. We hey, appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's cool. We love you all. And um, Pat will send you pictures of himself uh, if you continue I, to tweet us. So, I will send you pictures of myself. Yeah. You got it, man. You yep. got it. Just head, signed headshots of Pat. All right. So this time around, we are talking about the movie FX. Um, this one came out February 7th. So we're actually a week away, uh, 30 years and a week away from when this came out. February 7th, 1986. It was rated R, mostly for profanity and violence, though there is some limited drug and alcohol use, some implied sexuality. Uh, The director was Robert Mandel, who did the substitute and the pilot episode of The X-Files. Produced by Dodie Fayed, who did Chariots of Fire, Hook, The Scarlet Letter. Uh, Jack, I'm going to say Weiner, because if I say the other way to pronounce his last name, everybody's going to start giggling. Uh, He did The Eagle Has Landed and FX2. Uh, The writers were Robert T. Meganson, who did a TV movie called Codename Wolverine. The other writer was Gregory Fleeman, who pretty much did FX, and that's it. Music was by Bill Conti, who did Rocky 1 through 4, Rocky, or sorry, 1 through 3, Rocky Balboa, the Karate Kid movies, and Masters of the Universe, which I have been listening nonstop to the Masters of the Universe soundtrack over and over and over for the last two days, and it's so beautiful. Ridiculously hard to find, though. I cannot find, other than finding them on YouTube... If you try to go order the CD, it's $40. Wow. 
yeah, yeah. Apparently, it was a very limited amount that were released, and you can't it, you can't download it anywhere. You can't find it anywhere else on eBay. I think there's some for like sixty or seventy dollars, but to try to find it on on CD on Amazon, cheapest they had was forty. Good. So I will take the ones that I listen to on YouTube and just enjoy those. I think that's the way to do it. The budget for FX was ten million dollars. The box office was twenty point six million. Uh, our cast. Brian Brown played Roland Rolly Tyre. Tyler uh, was in Breaker Morant, Cocktail, Gorillas in the Mist, FX2, and apparently is in the uh, upcoming movie Gods of Egypt. Brian Dennehy played Lieutenant Leo McCarthy, was in First Blood, Cocoon, Romeo and Juliet. Diane Venora played Ellen Keith. She was in Bird, The Substitute, Romeo and Juliet, and True Crime. That I thought was kind of funny. She plays uh, Brian Dennehy's wife in Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Cliff DeYoung played Martin Lipton, who loves tea. Uh, the Hunger, Flight of the Navigator, Glory, Suicide Kings. Mason Adams played Colonel Mason. So stretch for him. Uh, was in Son-in-Law and lots of TV movies. Uh, Jerry Orbach, who sadly died in 2004, played Nicholas DeFranco. He was in Dirty Dancing, Law and & Order, uh, and was in Beauty and the Beast. I didn't realize he was the voice of Lumiere. Hmm. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. I thought they just found some French guy to do it. Uh, Joe Grafasi played Mickey. Uh, that was Brian Dennehy's uh, partner, the cop. He was in The Deer Hunter, Batman Forever, 13 Going on 30. Martha Gaiman played Andy. That was um, Rolly Tyre's assistant. She was in Father of the Bride and Practical Magic. Roscoe Orman played Captain Jake Wallinger. Uh, he was on Sesame Street. That was Gordon. Um, Gordon, Gordon on Sesame Street, yeah. Trey Wilson, uh, who died in 1989, played Lieutenant Murdoch. He was in Raising Arizona, Bull Durham, and Twins. Tom Noonan, who played Varric, one of the henchmen, was in Manhunter, Easy Money, The Monster Squad, and Robocop 2. Uh, I believe in Monster Squad he was Frankenstein's monster. Jossie de Guzman played Marissa Velez. She's also in FX2 and some TV movies. And this is just... Because she was in there, this was her very first movie that she was ever in. Angela Bassett plays a TV reporter who has maybe one line, uh, and you see her very, very briefly. She was in What's Love Got to Do With It, Malcolm X, and Chirac. Rotten Tomatoes gave this one an 86%. The audience, uh, for the critics, the audience gave it a 51%. Ebert gave this one three and a half stars. Siskel gave it three stars. It was nominated for an Edgar Allan Poe Award for Best Motion Picture. Did not win, but was nominated. In this one, Raleigh Tire is a movie... I keep saying Tire, because I have a friend named Rory Tire. So, Raleigh Tyler, L's. L's are important. Raleigh Tyler. Raleigh Tyler. There we go. Raleigh... Thank you. Raleigh Tyler is a movie special effects expert who has been tasked with faking the death of notorious mobster Nicholas DeFranco, who is set to testify in court and must enter witness protection. When the fake murder goes down, Raleigh is framed for the death by the Justice Department. On the run, Raleigh uses his skills as one of the best special effects men in Hollywood to disguise himself until he can discover the truth. In the meantime, homicide detective Leo McCarthy starts investigating the trail of bodies being left behind. Let's take a listen to the trailer and we'll be back in just a moment. Tyler is an FX man, the movie's master of make-believe. 
He can show you a thousand ways to die. Hey, cut! Cut! Great special effects. But now somebody wants Raleigh Tyler to do it for real. We want to stage a fake assassination, Raleigh, and we want you to supervise it. Who's the we? Justice Department. I'm a special effects man. I deal in make-believe. I'd like to keep it like that. We just thought that we might be able to utilize your particular genius to help us out. And what if someone takes a shot at me? You are 100% protected. I give you my word. That job that guy wanted me to do, I think I'll do it. But someone else is writing the script and casting him as the killer. You haven't done anything. What if we put in real bullets? If one person, one person suspects. Sorry, Raleigh, no loose ends. This is something. He tried to kill me. You go directly to the newspapers. And what makes you think they believe me? I believe you. My name's Leo. We need to talk. Where the hell are you, Tyler? He's going to need every trick from every movie he's ever made. Remember my particular genius. Just to get even. And get out alive. I'm in pursuit of a blue step van. Letters on the side. X as in Frank, X as in X-ray. Remember Skidball Express? I sure do! Raleigh Tyler's most special effects are yet to come. Forget why you hired me. What next? At the next corner, send Nelly in. Oh my God, what? Is he the weapon or the victim? Is it murder or is it FX? Is it murder or is it FX? All right. This one kind of has an interesting combination of writers and a director. Uh, the writers were rookies who did the screenplay as a TV movie. They never thought of this as being an actual feature film. Uh, Mandel, the director, was actually an off-Broadway director. They specifically didn't want an action director because they wanted audiences to care about the characters first and foremost. Um, so it's kind of interesting. They went with somebody who had never done an action movie before. And because of that, uh, Robert Mandel said he ended up studying a lot of the chase scenes from Bullet and The French Connection to kind of get an idea of how to you know, do action movies. Uh, the special effects in this movie were actually handled by John Steers, uh, who worked on the first eight James Bond movies and won Academy Awards for, I think it was one of those, and uh, the special effects for the original Star Wars in 1977. Steers said that this was very kind of close to real life for him because he had been approached by, I believe he said he had been approached by mob bosses or, or mob people to do this in real life, to actually fake deaths and you know, use his special effects knowledge to do some real-life stuff like that. Orion Pictures believed that the movie would, should have performed better at the box office and blamed it on the title of the movie being too confusing for the average moviegoer. Um, a remake was planned in 2010 with Robert Mandel directing it again. Uh, it was supposed to have been released in 2011, and there has been no update on that. So who knows what's going on with it. Mm. So initial reactions. How did you feel about this one? I want to ask one thing. You were you were running down the cast. You said that the producer was uh, one of the producers was Dodi Fayed. Yeah. Wasn't he the boyfriend of of um, 
Princess Diana that was in the Mercedes when it flipped? Um, he, he was in the Mercedes. I don't, yeah. I don't. Was he the boyfriend? I know he was killed in that same crash. Or, or was he like a friend or something? But I mean, he was. He was. They yeah, were. He, no, he was there. That he was, was him, there. right? Okay. Yeah. And okay, so that was my first question. My second question was, was. Yeah, he was. According to their Wikipedia page, uh, says he was the lover of uh, Diana, Princess of Wales, whom he died in a car crash with in Paris on August thirty first. August 31st, 1997. Okay. And then my second question was, it looked like they, they scanned through the, the, the police station, and one of the secretaries, or it was a police officer, but she was sitting at the desk. I don't think she had any speaking lines. It was an actress that she's been in a, a, a number of movies that I can't remember any of the titles, but I remember in Goodfellas, she was one of the girlfriends. And mm. and I forget this actress's name, but, I mean, did did that – did you see anyone that was like, "Oh, that's her," and she's like been in a bunch of movies, and I can I can try and look the name up to see. But anyways, that when you were going through the the a the first time when I saw it when I watched it this time there was an actress and I'm gonna look it up because now I'm just <laughs> making random points that make no sense. But yeah. she was like this actress that I could have sworn was in a whole bunch of movies, but this was kind of like she just had a bit part in this. So I was wondering if that rang a bell. Sorry, that was random. It's late. No, that's I all right. Um, no, I did recognize. I don't think I recognized. I may not have been paying close enough attention to the when they went through the police station, but I didn't recognize anybody else in there. Yeah, neither oh. did I. All right. Well, I'll, I'll look it up and see if I can back anything up with it. So, sorry, okay. those were just two questions I wanted to get out of the way before. Okay. All right. So while you're looking that up, Jeff, how did you yeah, how do you feel about this one? Did you seen this one before? I had. Um, although. I have no idea when I had seen it, but there were moments that I remembered. Um, the scene, like I remembered scenes from the mansion towards the end when uh, when Raleigh does that like reflective mirror yeah, trick mirror or whatever that, that was, was and that was pretty gets cool. the, one, the one guy to shoot the other guy I remember seeing that before Okay. and I remember the bullets and super glue thing um, and I remember the uh, the dummy being thrown from the back of the truck and laying across the road so th- those are like the three parts of the movie that I, re- that I recall from seeing before but I'm fairly certain that Whenever I, it was that I saw the movie, I had no idea what was going on, or I had no idea what was, you know, what the concept of the story. Yeah. Um, so how, how yes, long ago? I had seen it before. Do you remember how long ago you'd seen it? No, God, no. I no. mean, it was probably not long after it came out, so okay. it would have been maybe ten or eleven. Okay. Um. But I, I I think this movie's a lot of fun. You know, I I, I like that the uh, I like that Raleigh had to rely on his technical knowledge of practical effects. Oh yeah, I love that to part. To just 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 get himself out of you know different situations where he you know he was being chased, he was trying to do this, do that, the other. You know, it was like watching MacGyver, but mm-hmm. having the background make sense. Right. Like he. Like you watch MacGyver, you're like, how does MacGyver know how to do all this stuff? 
you watch this, you're like, well, of course he knows how to do this. This is his job. This is what he does. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought that was kind of a cool twist was that you've you've got just an average guy. You know, he's not a super spy. He's not a cop. He's not trained to fight anybody, but he has skills that he can use. He's got his wits. He's got his skills, and that's what he uses throughout the movie to get him out of these situations. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I I think the I mean, the story isn't anything that we've never seen before, but I, the twist of having it be, having Raleigh be uh, an effects, uh, a special effects uh, master just adds a fun little element to it and gives you, uh, gives you a little bit more to play with, with uh, what he can do to try to get out of uh, situations when his life is on the line. Yeah. There was, um, there was an online reviewer, um, it was called, I want to say the website is called The Black Sheep, and they did a review of this, and they weren't really big fans of it at all. Um, but the guy who reviewed it said, I, I kind of like the way he put it because it's, it's kind of funny but also kind of true. Uh, he described this movie as a more violent version of Home Alone. Mm. So, you know, you got, you've got the kid that's setting up the traps, yeah, you know, with his yeah, toys yeah, and everything else. It, and... That's an interesting way to put it, and I, I can kind of see that. I yeah. kind of see what he's saying. There you go. So, John, when did you uh, when did you first see this movie? You know what? The first time I saw this was um, a few days ago. Really? Yeah, I, okay. I had never seen this one before. Um, the funny thing about this one was uh, I remember that there were uh, – Sharon had always told me that there were a couple of movies that she just absolutely did not like. And I knew that Predator was one of them. Really? And it was because uh, you know, she and her parents, they uh, they had a house up in Wisconsin, and they'd go up there you know, on the weekends sometimes, and they liked to watch movies. And, you know, those type of movies like Predator and, you know, other stuff like that, um, those were some of kind of the favorites to watch. And apparently on one evening or one afternoon or whatever, and this is about the time that we would have been in high school, um, they decided they were going to do a doubleheader, and so they watched FX and Predator back-to-back. So her memory of that is not liking this movie at all because it just was not, she was not interested at all. And it happened to be kind of a back-to-back movie marathon between FX and Predator. And it just uh, it did not make for a fun weekend. So um, so that was the only thing I knew about this movie going into it. And um, I thought, well, and, and I had no idea what the movie was about. But when I started looking into it, oh, well, you know, we, we do a movie podcast, meaning... We really like movies, so a movie in which it kind of features the special effects guy using the tools of the trade and, and his skills to be able to get out of these crazy situations. I'm like, okay, that I almost kind of made the same. I, I didn't make the um, connection to MacGyver, but I thought about that you know, same type of thing. It's like, oh, well, this is cool. It's this guy. He can get out of all these situations by finding some way to tie it into his skills as a, a special effects man. Yeah, and so I thought, okay, this will this will be kind of cool, and so we watched the movie, and I guess my kind of initial reaction to it was I liked it. Mm-hmm. I could tell um, it was a to me it seemed a little bit different than an action movie because there were parts that I thought that moved a lot slower, uh, and maybe that had to do with the the director having been um, you know not an action movie director, but I thought for the action parts they did have. Um, you know, I thought he did a great job with it. The the actual filming of it, um, you know, I thought the some of the ways they filmed the different scenes was was just beautiful. Um, and then happened to go look up and see that it was the same director of photography that did Amadeus, which 
we've talked about before and is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, so yeah, so no, I, I liked it. Um, would I go back and, you know, watch it again right away? Probably not. Um, you know, it's not one of those that I'm going to rewatch over and over and over again, but you know, for the one time I did watch it, it was entertaining. Yeah. I have yeah. some other I have some other comments about some other things later on, but we'll just do initial reactions right now, and then I'll I'll get to that here in a little bit. Okay. So what about uh, you? Had you seen it before? Yeah, I did. You know, it's funny. Growing up, I had a good friend that always was talk would talk about FX two, and and it was funny because it, it never occurred to me that there was a first FX. This was like when I was in middle school. It never occurred to me that there was a first FX because he would always talk about FX two, and I just thought that was the name of the movie, just FX two, and I didn't. You know, so it was always in the back of my mind. And then I want to say it was maybe two or three years ago when I first started doing, like, the Netflix streaming thing. And then I saw the FX movies were on there, and I thought, oh, okay, that's what he was talking about. All right. And I didn't know anything about them. Um, so I watched them both, and that's kind of what I was struck with was, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, it's different. How many movies feature the special effects guy? Um, basically everything that you guys have already said. I just found that uh, I found it a lot of fun to uh, uh, check that out and just, you know, okay, I'm just going to echo everything you guys said, really, is that just the different ways he got out of a jam. It wasn't like he was an action hero. He was using his ingenuity and, and so on and so forth. I like that. I thought that the, um, I thought that the uh, characters, the actors in there were good for their roles and, and really brought that out. Um, so that was pretty cool. The... Um, I saw it this past weekend, and it was funny because I kind of did a, a, a double feature, and so I picked this up uh, for the podcast, and then I picked something else up that was much more serious um, subject matter, and uh, I saw um, the movie. I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's the movie Lone Survivor. It's about the SEAL team that uh, uh, is a pretty heavy-duty war movie and, and that. I'll just leave it at that. So anyways, I came off of that movie and then right at the end watched the documentary about the guys that the movie was based on. And, and so it was just real heavy uh, kind of stuff. And so I got done with that and that was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm just, you know, deep in thought, trying to let the movie wash over me, you know, thinking my thoughts. And then it was like, oh, okay, well now I'm going to put this in. And so this was like something completely different. So the idea of, you know, a lighthearted, fun popcorn action movie um, a lighthearted romp through mob assassinations. Exactly. Well, okay. if if you've ever seen Lone Survivor, <laughs> comparatively, yes, it, okay. was. it was. I, it I was, haven't seen Lone Survivor, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it was. That was that was pretty heavy duty. This this see this is kind of the movie I like. It's it's fantasy. I can watch mm. it. You know, it's I can jump in and jump out, and it's 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 fun. And so I really it's like yeah, I I like this movie. It's it's pretty cool. Um, I don't want to get long-winded because I know there was a couple other questions you had. So I'll say that um, it's interesting because I looked on the Rotten Tomatoes as I was trying to figure out, uh, you know, my thoughts, and I found it interesting that the critics gave it pretty favorable. I think they were in the 80s, right? Yeah, I think it was like 86%. Yeah. Audience, I want to say, was in the 50s. 51, yeah. And so I had some thoughts about that and kind of read a couple of the reviews. I don't want to hog the mic, though, so I'll come back to that because – after thinking about it, there's a couple things with the movie that kind of, you know, like the old song, things that make you go, hmm, mm -hmm. with it. So, anyways, yeah, it was a fun movie. It was lighthearted. I laughed. Really didn't cry. Things blew up. There we go. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That makes a good movie. So, the, the what bad are... guys got theirs. Right. Right. Yeah. 
you know, as long as they all die in, I don't want to say funny ways, but creative ways in the end, that's fine. Um, so let me ask you this then. What um, favorite scene of the movie? Do you have a favorite scene of the movie or something that kind of jumped out at you as, I love this part? For me, I think it was the car chase. Um, it was the car chase, especially when the cop had to drive through the meat market. Yeah. I, I love that. But just like the domino effect on all of the, the cattle carcasses that were there. Um, that whole car chase scene I just thought was fun. And that car chase yeah. scene had the only piece of music in the movie that um, when it comes to like the score, the soundtrack that was done by Bill Conti, who, and I'll get to this later, but I'll go into more detail later, but that was the only time I felt like his music really shined through, which I was disappointed in because I love Bill Conti's music and pretty much everything else he's ever done. Uh, but yeah. car chase scene, uh, my favorite scene has got to be the car chase scene. They're okay. using all those, like you said, they throw the dummy out, they, um, you know, they throw the, the slick stuff out to get the, the police cars to crash and... You know, they're still using all those other tools that they've got. He's calling out names of movies to his assistant. You remember this one? You know, throw, do that one. Throw her out when we go out the next quarter. And... You know what? I, I actually, I didn't like that. Really? He was, uh, and it was more, it was more the way it was written. Okay. Because um, it was the, uh, the fact that he was calling out specific movies. Remember what we did with this one? Oh, yeah. Remember what we did with this one? Sure do. You know, just like you didn't like that. I I didn't. I don't know. I I I like. I don't know. I found that to be cheesy. I didn't. I, I you know what the assistant? Like, the assistant. I, I didn't you. like her. I didn't like her acting. That's the part I found cheesy. Was her acting? She was probably the worst actor in the whole movie. I like the line where he says, "I told you we're supposed to do it like Night of the Zombies, not Killer Aliens from Outer." Like right. <laughs> that's the one that cracked me up when she got it wrong. And it was uh, when the, yeah. the bombs were a little bit too more, uh, a little bit too yeah, powerful. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Whatever. Okay, but Jeff, you didn't like it, and uh, okay. No, I just it, I've seen stuff like that in movies before. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, um, were they before or after this one? If, if if you've ever like, or if you've ever seen the the TV show Fringe. Okay. In the you know in the first season the 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 uh, the main doctor the Walter, wasn't that his name? But he would be like, oh, yes, this very thing reminds me of a very specific experiment that I did 20 years ago. This reminds me of a very specific thing that I did 25 years ago. Okay. And it's like, I don't know, I just, I, I find that to be cheap writing. Okay. Um, so, I, you know, when he started calling that, uh, calling out the specific movies, um, and you know, Three Amigos did the same thing. Like, hey, remember what we did? Uh, remember our, our movie Amigos, Amigos, Amigos? Right. You remember what yeah. we did you there? Know, it seemed to work better in a comedy than I think it does in an action drama. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I mean, the the chase itself was awesome. It was just that little bit of writing that I was the, like, the part oh, where they call really? out. The... Okay. All right. So, what was it? Did you have a favorite scene? I like uh, in in the mansion at the end. Okay, and yeah. Just how, and just you know everything just comes to a head at that point. You know that he's either going to live or die, as he's trying to get into that mansion. Um, so just all of that, just how he's able to use his again use his knowledge of practical uh, practical special effects, and um, just maneuver his way into the house and once he's in the house still has a, a bag full of tricks 
and is able to, you know, use it to his advantage. So th that 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 whole thing. Pat, do you have a favorite one? Oh, did we lose Pat? There's Pat. Probably. Oh, is Pat back now? Sorry, I, did we I, lose you. I dropped the call. No, that that's all right. You're, I mean, you're you're there. Back. And we've got the princess. You're, Wait, you're, what? You're there reclining, like we're supposed to, you know, do some kind of a painting of you on a couch somewhere. So, <laughs> people people listening to the audio podcast can't see this, but Pat's it looks like one of those Renaissance paintings of you know some nude woman laying on a couch, and <laughs> Pat has his clothes picture, on those. Picture so. that scene in Titanic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, Pat, Pat, do you do you have a necklace with a large jewel on it? With uh, Kate Winslet laying on a couch. That's mm -hmm. how Patrick looks. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Slightly less hair on his head. Uh, did you have a favorite scene, Pat? I, you know, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, um, I'm going to have to think about that. I mean, the car chase was fun. Um, the mansion. I, I, yeah, I, I, you know, when you mentioned favorite scenes, I, you know, I, I got to be honest, I, I, I don't know if one... I don't know if one kind of stood out for me, and that um, I think that might lead into some of my, you know, in retrospect when I had uh, kind of problems with the movie. I think that was I think that was maybe the one that uh, that that kind of leads into it. Is not any one scene really stuck out and uh, and uh, grabbed me. So I I'll have to take a pass on that. Unless something comes up, I'll throw it in later. But I I really can't come up with a, a like an absolute favorite scene. Okay, all right. What about a favorite line? Was there a favorite line or a favorite quote in the movie? Um, I had a couple of them. Um, I'll throw a couple out here. And one was was the, I want to say I, I missed it at first. So I went back and pulled up that scene again. I'm like, I, he, I thought he said something weird here. But when we were watching it all the way through, I, I didn't mm -hmm. want to stop and go back. So I did. It's when he gets home from... I want to say when he gets back to the house after uh, taking the taking the job, saying he's going to do the job, and um, is it Ellen? She's in there um, fixing dinner, and he walks over and he picks up uh, a piece of bok choy, and he says, yeah. "Bok choy has great texture, like alien flesh." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she says something like, "Is that all you ever think about?" But and I missed that line the first time, but I knew he said something weird, so I'm like, "I got to go back and watch that part because I want to find out what it is he said." Um, that scene was also good for the, uh, Huey Lewis music too, but, um, yeah. and then there was the, uh, what was the other good line? Well, I did like the line, you know, you're great. Nobody dies like you, uh, which is prophetic later on in the movie. Um, Whoa. but I did like the one, uh, probably the other, uh, this may have been my favorite one though, when they're in the mansion at the end and, uh, he sets the Uzi down on the table after he has secretly put crazy glue on it and taken out mm -hmm. the bullets. And then uh, Mason picks it up, and he says, "In this, uh, Raleigh says, in this hand's the ammo for the gun, and this is crazy glue. A thousand and one uses. Now a thousand and two, and then shoves him out yeah. the door. I love that part. Yeah, that was, that that was, was great. pretty cool. A, lo a lot of Raleigh's lines I really enjoy. I mean, he's just got a, a sarcastic tone to a lot of it. Um, well, he's Australian, and they're automatically charming. That's, that's got to be it. Um, at at the end, after he fakes his death with uh, in front of Mason, and Mason's just staring at him when he walks into the room, uh, and he says something like, uh, 
what's wrong? Forget why you hired me? Yeah. It's, it's such a great, like, slap in the face to him. Like, you know, yeah. you, you weren't going to catch me in this. Yeah. I, I kind of like the no loose ends. I mean, that was, that was, it almost became kind of a comic, but that, I just, you know, that, that could, I could see using that line, you know, like just giving someone a sinister look and just, hey, no loose ends. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Um, that was pretty fun. And I, I thought it was pretty funny when Gordon from Sesame Street uh, looked over at the guy that, you know, they just got in the, uh, the Brian Dennehy character taken off the force and they walk on. Yeah, to, uh, Murdoch. Yeah, and he's just like, yeah, well, he took it like a man. And he looks at him and just says, Murdoch, you're such an a-hole. I just, yeah. <laughs> that, that that always cracks me up. That cracked me up. So I guess those are probably my The fact favorite. that Gordon was swearing, that was kind of crazy. Yeah, that's right, yeah. man. Ru- ruined my childhood. Yeah, the other line I like is when uh, Ellen's talking about uh, about movie making. And she says something like, you know, nobody cares about uh, people anymore. All they care about is special effects. And Raleigh yeah. responds with, I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. The other one that I liked was the um, when they're putting on the, when they're getting ready for the fake assassination attempt and they're putting the, like the body armor stuff on him and the, or that plate that he's got to wear. And then they start to wrap the receiver around him and he freaks out because he's got the pacemaker. Mm-hmm. And they go yeah. through. He's like, you know, any voltage at all is like, you know, you got to be sure. You got how how are you sure that it's it's not? A, he reaches over and just click. Now I'm sure. That was funny. And I just the, was... just the look on uh, was it DeFranco, De, Jerry Orbach, DeFranco's face. He's like, you little. Yeah. I love it. I thought his was a great character. I, I kind of loved how you know he wasn't in a ton of the movie. It kind of all revolved around him, but he wasn't in a ton of it. But I thought just thought he did a great job as the the mobster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that guy. So a couple of criticisms, um, some things that bothered us about the movie, maybe. Um, I've got a couple, and my couple are, and, and you guys can come on, uh, comment on these, and if you've got some of your own, we'll, we'll throw those out there, too. Mine are mainly two. Uh, three, if I'm going to throw in real fast, that I didn't really like. I liked that he and his assistant, Raleigh and his assistant, Andy, um, I like their little playing pranks on each other. I thought that was kind of fun. Um, I didn't like her acting. I thought she was horrible. Um, but the two big things that kind of bothered me about this, and I'll do them in order of, you know, the last one will be the one that bothered me most, was the Bill Conti music. I love Bill Conti music. I mean, we're talking, you know, Masters of the... Like I said, I've been listening to Masters of the Universe for the last two days straight. Um It's just awesome. And the Rocky music and the Karate Kid stuff. And I just, I love his music. The only time I heard any of his music, um, and I actually played, while I was working on some stuff today, I just played the movie in the background so I could hear the sound of it. I didn't watch it, but I just played it so I could listen. The only time I ever heard any of his music that made any kind of an impact was the car chase. That was it. Otherwise, the only other memorable music is the Huey Lewis and the News at, towards the beginning and the um, that weird kind of poppy theme at the end uh, that they had, which was, I thought was kind of a weird way to end the movie. But um, So the Bill Conti music, I was a little disappointed that I didn't hear more of it in the movie. Um, and, but the one thing that I think bothered me more than anything else, and I don't know what you would have done to fix it because I thought that the pacing in the movie was done pretty well, was Brian Dennehy doesn't show up until 45 minutes into the movie. 
I mean, that's that's a pretty big character. Yeah. And he doesn't show up until 45 minutes into the movie, and I felt like upon only seeing this once, I was a bit confused by his backstory. You know, when we first see him, he's you know sleeping in late. His apartment is just there's garbage and food all over the place. And then he comes out and he's this, you know, he's supposed to be this this detective that's on the case and, you know, he's going to track these guys down. And I know that they said he was on the DeFranco case for six months before they, they got him to come in and, you know, turn into a, a witness for him and that he had worked that six months straight and, and everything else. But and you had little comments here and there about how nobody else really likes him very much, but I, I just kind of wondered, especially when it got to the very end of the movie, it seemed like I didn't know enough about him to see why he would ditch p- the police force, go off and take this money. Yeah. Which actually, that makes me think of another favorite line when he says, yeah, take your partner, whatever. Well, why him? Cause he can work well with people. You, you piss people off. Yeah. I thought that was a funny line too. Yeah. So those were probably my two things was the, the Bill Conti music not being what I normally expect to hear from Bill Conti and uh, Brian Dennehy not showing up until almost halfway through the movie. Okay. I, w- I would agree with the Dennehy thing. I would like to have seen him earlier on in the movie. Uh, I would love to have seen the, uh, the Brian's uh, spend more screen time together yeah. and work together uh, to be victorious at the end. Because I felt like Denny, he sort of uh, reaped the benefits of Raleigh's, you know, life-risking chances that he took. Right. Like, he, you know, he happened to, he followed the clues, but they were all clues that Raleigh was kind of leaving in his wake. So it's not like Leo McCarthy was this great detective. I mean, I guess, yeah, he tracked down all the clues, but... Like you said, it was Raleigh did all the grunt work. Yeah, and now I don't remember if uh, if the two of them worked together for or worked together in FX two a lot more. I read the description, but, and it sounds like they do. And in, in terms of this movie, though, I, I mean, I, on one hand, I like that they were tackling this from two different directions. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, with you know, once Denny he is uh, suspended from the force and decides to go uh, vigilante and and do his own thing, uh, regardless of whatever the outcome will be, you know, would have been nice. And why not have him team up with, you know, why not have uh, Leo team up with Raleigh and the two of them, you know, storm the the mansion at the end, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, I, I don't. I really don't have any other uh, any other big com, uh, complaints or issues with the movie. You know, just the the dialogue and the chase scene, and then not enough interplay, at least for me, between the two Bryans. Yeah. What about you, Pat? Uh, well, here's the thing. Sorry, my internet clicked off, or my thing backed off again, and um, right. I'm sorry if I missed the end of what. What, what what Jeff said. You know, I guess the things that bothered me, and I guess I got thinking about it, was you mentioned it that Brian Dennehy's character didn't show up till halfway through. And and that leads into my point. 
I kind of struggled with, well, who are the absolute outright main characters? Because for the first like quarter of the movie, he had the actress who was kind of his love interest. And then she gets shot by the sniper at the window. So then it was like, okay, well, boy, she shot. And I expected him to kind of shed a tear and that, but he seemed to just kind of like bust right on with what he was doing. Didn't seem to affect him. Okay, so then later you find out that that was kind of a fling. They weren't really, you know, together or anything. Okay, that makes sense. Then the next thing you see is, um, um, you know, he gets, you know, working with his assistant. So I thought, okay, well, she's like his best friend. She's his assistant. She'll have a bit more prominent role. Well, he leaves her standing by the street corner. And in the end, when they drive off into the sunset with all the money, she's nowhere to be found. So it's kind of like, well, okay, so I guess she wasn't a main character. I guess the Brian Dennehy character was. And then it was like, well... Okay, and, and you mentioned it. Why didn't it show them working together more? And I, I guess maybe I would have expected a little bit more development of him. Like maybe for the first 45 minutes as opposed to him just not being present, maybe just have player, uh, parallel parallel um, scenes or parallel – kind of showing his character arc alongside um, you know, the, the FX guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It it, yeah. Just, it just was like okay, well who's the main character and and it seemed to bounce around. It didn't seem to really lock in on one. And then in the flip side, the um the bad guys. You know, the big okay, you kind of knew, you kind of suspected that something was up and you know there were the two um witness protection guys that were were in on it and then the younger guy the, the the guy that was a little bit, you know, he was a little bit more squirrely and everything. Okay, you found out he's a bad guy, and okay, he has to escape from him. Well, at that point, you still don't know that, uh, what was the other guy's name, Mason? Yeah. 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 At that point, you really don't know that he's a bad guy till he gets on the phone and calls him, and then bam, right away you find out he's a bad guy. So that, like, took all the suspense out of it because in about five minutes worth of the movie – you found out who all the bad guys were, and then pretty much everything was set, and then it was just action from there on out. I, I think if they wanted to keep it a little bit more suspense and thriller, maybe string it along a little bit more, and then only find out that that other guy was a bad guy towards the end of the movie. And actually, come to think of it, I don't even know what happened to the the other the other um, the guy that first made contact with Raleigh. I mean, did he die or something? Did I just forget that, or did he just kind of disappear? I think he's still in the trunk of that car. That's right. They put him in the trunk, and then yeah. that was it. That was the last you saw. They, they probably just left him there. Yeah. So, which I, actually, you know, that I, that was another great scene too. I did like that scene. Yeah, yeah. I've never was, never quite seen an interrogation like that. Yeah, that was that one was pretty good. I, so I mean, those were that was that was kind of my problems. I know it sounded like a laundry list, but I guess it was just. Who are the main characters? And the guy, Brian Dennehy, that he ends up, they become buddies. Well, like you said, they really don't show much of his character arc, and then suddenly he just becomes a main character. Whereas you have all these other characters that could have been main characters, but they're kind of like in the story, they're out of the story, and that's that. And that seemed to be a little underdeveloped. Yeah. And that's 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 what I struggled with, you know, when I watched it most recently. It was like, yeah, I kind of wanted a little bit more development with yeah. those characters. All right. That, Pat, that's kind yeah. of, that was kind of the, uh, a little bit of the gist that I was. Was uh, that what you were saying? Forward. Okay. Well, Sorry. I, I, I was more specific that I, I wanted to see more, uh, just more interplay between 
the two Bryans. Okay. Or okay. I like what you said, like having, you know, even if they weren't together, just having matching story arcs all throughout the movie. Okay. I, I'd be um, curious. That, I'm that curious to go see FX2 too. now. What'd you say? I'm curious to see FX2 now. Now, I have no burning desire to you know, like watch it this week, but I would be curious to see from what I've read. Um, some of the critics have said that it's not necessarily that it's better than FX, but that it's a very capable sequel and that you actually get more of that. You get more of the Brian Dennehy, Brian Brown um, interplay with each other in that one. So I'd be kind of curious to see that. And then apparently there was a TV series, didn't have any of these actors in it, but in the 90s there was a TV series of FX, and it was same characters, but obviously TV actors instead of the big-time movie actors. Right. Well, Jeff, I, like I said, my thing cut out, so I'm sorry that I uh, uh, you know, kind of doubled up on what you said, but... It's good to know that it's good to know that other people to know that other people are noticing it because that that did leave me a little bit wanting, you know, in the movie. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, before we finish off here, uh, I did ask each of you guys. Um, I'll ask you this one real quick too, but I did ask each of you to think of how if somebody was thinking of watching this movie, what would you tell them in one sentence? Um, the other question I'm going to ask you, and, and think about this for a second, is if they really did do a remake of this, they had talked, talked about doing a remake with the same director back in 2010, and apparently that hasn't gone anywhere, who would you cast in the roles of, uh, let's say, Raleigh, uh, Leo, uh, Brian Dennehy's character, and Lipton? So first one, one sentence. What would you say to somebody in one sentence if they were going to go see this movie or not? What's your one sentence review? It's a lot of fun, but bring yourself some popcorn and beer and just relax. Sure, go see it. It's a fun movie. That. <laughs> your, your 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 eloquence is just you know it's blown us away. It's... Well, it's basically, it's basically, you know, I, I when I read that your email, I kind of went more like plot summary in one sentence. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was exactly what your question was. Yeah, more more of like opinion wise, like what's if somebody asked you, hey, I you know. I saw this movie FX at the library. Didn't know what it was. Think, was thinking of picking it up. What should I, you know, what should I do? I I think fun. I say fun, lighthearted movie w- with a unique twist. That at the you know the FX guy is the is the you know they're talking about movie effects and the FX guy is the main character. So I just say fun, lighthearted action movie with a twist. Would you say fun and exciting? I'd say exciting. Like F X fun and exciting, exciting. I would, and I'd leave. Oh, you know, okay, fun and exciting. <laughs> all right. So, what about the remake? Uh, real quick, if you could, if you were remaking this, and you don't have to do all three of them, but if they were going to remake this, who would you want uh, to see in the those top three roles? Let's say Lipton, Leo McCarthy, and Raleigh. It's a good question. Yeah, because I'm trying to think. The Raleigh, the whole reason for him is it just seems like there was that. It was that time in the 80s when Australians were big. Um, and I think we're kind of in that time again because you've got people like you know Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman and um, maybe Australians have just always been big in Hollywood. But um, I, I've been trying to think of who I would put in the uh, Brian Dennehy part. And I don't know. I, I, I came up with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, even though he's dead. I think um, that been great as McCarthy. We could dig him up. Oh, all right. <laughs> How old is is Nick Nolte too old? 
because he's almost like the same. No, we could age. we could dig him up too. Sure. Is he? Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not dead yet. Oh, he's he's not. I didn't. No. I didn't That's think not he true. <laughs> I've seen him. He is dead. Sorry, Wait, Nick. That's, that's an interesting question. Who would we get to play those guys? I've seen a, several movies lately with Tom Hardy. I think Tom Hardy could do a decent yeah. job as the Brian Dennehy character, as the detective. I could see that. I actually just watched Mad Max Fury Road uh, for the first time a little bit ago. and Oh, oh that's that was, a great movie. That was awesome. That's two hours of an awesome car chase. I know. My that dad and I cool. used to watch the old Mad Max movies, and this this one's I, this one blows those away. I love this yeah. one. Well, yeah, I know. I, I kind of wish he wouldn't. Jeff, I'm sorry. You earmuff it. I don't want to like ruin stuff for you. Are you planning to see Mad Max Fury Road? Someday. Okay. La, 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 la. I'm just bummed his car got trashed right away. I mean, it was like, oh, come on that, again. I love that car. You know, forget the fact but, that people died. You're worried about the car. I am kind of well, upset about the car. Now I don't want to see it. You've totally ruined it. <laughs> yeah, I hate I did ruin Fury Road. Cars get trashed, people die. I mean, I know that's yeah. probably well, no. a little surprising. Jesus, Pat. Come Oddly on. enough, it was it was the same car that Lipton was locked in the trunk in. Yeah, that, I. Um, that's not true at all. Man, you know what? And this is something I've always struggled with. Like, I get wrapped up in the movies, and then like the guy playing it kind of becomes that character so it's hard for me to imagine you know someone else um okay. i'm, I'm going to do raleigh tyler i'm going to do hugh jackman and okay. uh, leo mccarthy i'm going to do as uh, tom hardy tom hardy okay those those guys be good um lipton i don't know we need somebody slimy and named after t mr t mr t sure that would be that would be I good. pity the fool that don't help us with our fake assassination oh my god is he here he's here it's <laughs> That was him. He has joined our podcast. He has mm-hmm. resurfaced. I feel bad, John. I feel like I've let the podcast and like the country down. Well, you have, but have... you know, I'm, we're going to soldier on, and it'll be okay. But yeah, you guys, you guys soldier on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna meditate on it. I'm gonna okay. consult the force. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've played this game before with other movies. Yeah. I'm having a really difficult time coming up with like who would be the a really good fit for, for these roles. And maybe I mean, maybe it's just kind of a testament to uh, to Dennehy and and Brown. Yeah, you know, the, the the two Bryans were just so perfect for these specific roles that you just can't place someone else in there. Yeah. Although Hollywood certainly would they'll, try. They'll try. They'll try. All right. Well, if you if you think of it in the meantime, we could obviously next week for our, our next episode, we can always come back and. Yeah, resurface. Think 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 about that for a little bit, and because maybe next week I'll ask you who you would uh, recast in a remake of uh, About Last Night if we if they were ever. I'm gonna be prepared, man. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have A list, B list, and I don't know if there's a C list, but I'm gonna write the C list just to prepare for this question because I'm just. All right. I got no words. I got nothing for you. If we're talking a remake of About Last Night, I think you can just use Rob Lowe again because I don't think he's aged. I yeah I don't yeah. So, before we sign off for the night, yeah, I want to uh, go back and uh, back to Three Amigos for a second. Yeah, I want to clarify a comment that I made on that uh, on that recording when I talked about how I felt like Chevy Chase didn't quite seem to fit in with the other two. And I, I mean, I, I li- after I listened to our podcast and I was thinking about it, like, you know, was there a better way to say that or an example? 
I guess I've I tried to view the three of them as like uh, the three stooges. Yeah. Where they're all always involved in it, and one's always hitting the other, and it doesn't matter who's doing which, what, or or, or whatever. And in terms of the three amigos, it was usually just uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short doing a lot of the the humor, and Chevy Chase just sort of standing there. So I guess when I watched the movie, I had more the idea of the uh, three Stooges in mind, okay. and it didn't it didn't work that way um, because that's just not how uh, Chevy Chase played the character. It's not how he was directed in the movie to to play the character. So that's kind of what I was trying to get at yeah. with uh, with that comment. He did a, a good job with the character when he when the when he was on screen without the other two. Yeah. But in terms of having the three amigos, um, he just sort of seemed out of place with uh, with the other two in in that regard. So that's all. That's yeah. No, that's well. And you know what? I throw that out there. And I think my one of my original comments was he to me he was just the big dumb one, and I was totally fine with him being the big dumb one that you you know you see mm-hmm. him do facial expressions in the background and and then I was looking at a clip. Um, you know, I think maybe it was as I was editing things together for that episode, I went back and I looked at a clip of them doing... No, I was showing my kids um, the clip of the singing bush. And it's when they all dismount from their horses. And when he tries to dismount, he actually ends up sitting backwards on, I think it was Martin Short's horse. And he just like throws, yeah. up, throws up his hands like, how did I get here? What's going on? And, and to me, that was just kind of... That was almost like the perfect characterization of Dusty Bottoms was he just... He's always kind of, he doesn't know why things are happening. He doesn't know why he's in this situation. He's just kind of, he's almost kind of along for the ride and things happen to him and he's not sure why. And when you, when you define the character uh, that way, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. All all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for, oh, here we have our car chase music to take us out here. All right. Well, that you've been listening to the 30-something movie podcast. How can you get in touch with us? Gently. You could tweet us at 30podcast. Jeff, have you been tweeted lately? I was tweeted lately, and uh, I haven't stretched in a while, so I, I okay. don't want to be tweeted right now. Okay. All right. Well, we can, we can retweet that later. Uh, you can email us, 30podcast at gmail.com. You could like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 30podcast. You could give us a call, 87235-MOVIE. That's 872-356-6843. You can listen and sponsor us on our provider page, the30podcast.podbean.com. Click on the Be My Patron link to donate to the show. We said before we're doing this because we love movies, but there is a cost to hosting the show, etc. So if you feel so led, we appreciate the support, but we appreciate just the listening as well. Uh, listen to us through Stitcher Radio, the Satchel Podcast app, which is only for Android devices right now. Google Play Podcasts, which apparently is coming soon, but I think it's been coming soon for like, I don't know, a year now or a few months now. So who knows? Uh, and obviously you can do it by subscribing to us in the iTunes Store, which I will repeat once again. If you could please take about 30 seconds, run over to the iTunes Store and leave us a review there. Uh, and tell your friends. Even if they've never listened to us before, they could still give us a five-star review because, you know, we, we're all from Chicago. We're all about voting early and often, and even if you don't live here. Um, wherever you get your podcasts, we'll be there. And if we're not, let us know, and we'll be there anyway. 
So in our next episode, next week, we're going to bring it, speaking of Chicago, uh, we're going to bring it a little closer to home uh, with a film that takes place in Sweet Home Chicago, just in time for Valentine's Day. Our next episode will feature the romantic drama comedy About Last Night, starring Rob Lowe, Demi Moore, and Jim Belushi. And for that, this has been the 30-something Movie Podcast. We will see you all next week. Good night, gentlemen. Adios. Good night. Nobody cares about making movies about people anymore. All they care about is special effects. I'm gonna cry.